Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of Investing from the Beach. I'm your host, I'm Chris Hansen. If this is the first episode you're listening to, don't listen to this one first. This is a continuation of episode number 12. Um, Go back and listen, either start with number 12 or start with an earlier one and then work your way up to get to this one. This is not an appropriate place to start. Is we're going to do a con- this episode is just a continuation of where we left off in the last one, episode number 12. So, with that, I'm just going to jump right in to continue the discussion that Chris and I were having as a continuation from episode number 12. I hope you enjoy. So, the next topic that people were asking about was I'm not sure how to even address this. I heard from a number of people about a stock market workshop that I teach where I, I teach people how I make my living in the stock market. It, I'm not the purpose of this podcast is not to sell that, so I don't want that this to be misconstrued. But it's offered as a live workshop in LA. You know, when you attend, you also get a recording of the class, and so that's all part of the uh, part of the fees to attend. So you get the basically you get an audio recording that comes with it. If you're not in Southern California, I only teach the class in LA. So if you're not in Southern California or can't make it out here, you can also get the course materials uh, via audio. And you get all the course materials that are included if you sit in the live class. The only difference is you don't look at me. The class itself is uh, it's five Sundays spread out over a number of weeks. And we've got lots of people that have been just home study students. They're located throughout the world. And what's been interesting is the comments have come in from people saying, you know, I'm really interested in the class, but I'm a visual learner. And I'm not sure that I can do it in an audio format. And when I hear that, I, I heard it on a number of emails and a number of phone calls. And no offense to anybody that left that message, it's kind of comical to me. And it's really it's really ironic. And the reason I say that is because the people that are listening to this podcast are listening to learn, right? And they're learning things via audio. They're hearing things and learning things from our words. And in fact, you know, if, if it wasn't for the website, you'd have no idea what we even look like because it's all on audio. But then they claim that they can only learn via visual. I think that from a how to think perspective, that doesn't make sense because you're learning just listening to our voices. And so it's no different if you're learning the stock market from my voice. You get the, you know, you get the hard copy manual as a reference point, but you're learning from my voice. And what strikes me, it goes back to it's a how to think aspect, is they're letting their brain tell them that they cannot learn unless it's something beyond audio. It's it's what we believe in is what you say is true. So if you say you can't learn listening, then you're not going to listen. Correct. And and your brain will shut down. But it's ironic that you're learning by listening to us on a podcast, which is just audio. And yet you're oh, they're talking about like the same person, right? Yeah, it's the exact same person. You're saying, wait a minute, so you're learning via the podcast, but you can't learn by audio. Well, I, I mean, it's it's not uncommon to hear that, right, Chris? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. no, no. I, I hear, I hear from people often, hey, I'm a visual learner or I, I got to see it. It's You learn better, you learn a little bit more, or you can learn quickly, quicker, right, if you have the visual. But uh, if you don't, you can still learn. And so the, you shouldn't, it shouldn't stop you from learning. And the visual in the room, the only other visual that somebody in a live class gets that the person on the audio doesn't get, the visual is seeing me say the words. Other than that, you have a hard copy of the manual that everybody references. Mm-hmm. So you're not missing anything from the visual view. So for those of you that have reached out inquiring about that, 
and they could be they could be distracted about how good looking you are, Chris. <clears throat> yeah, that I'm sure. Well, remember, one of us is smart and one of us is good looking. So, you, and you got to figure out which one it is. So, <laughs> I think last time I gave you credit for being smart, this time you give me credit for good looks. So, I guess that means we're still the same. Next topic we talked about was. Let me just write on, kind of read the email. I, I deleted or kind of redlined it. I was I was trying to figure out what parts that would be relevant to share. I don't want to read the whole email, <clears throat> but it boiled down to say my friends either don't have the same interest in money and wealth that I do, because they're more interested in you know partying on the weekend, or they're focused on how to get a raise at work, and how do I deal with that? And then also I've got a couple of friends who are very interested in real estate, but I'm very interested in the stock market. And we try to persuade each other into coming into the other guy's camp. How do I best deal with that? And so, Chris, you want to start with the first one about, you know, I've got friends that that don't seem to have the same interest on wealth and money and, you know, having money work for me that I do. They're, they're more interested in having fun on the weekends. Yeah, I think whoever asked the question, because they're new to this interest in money and wealth, uh, because... Now that they have the focus on money and wealth and, and their buddies are partying on weekends and they no longer, eventually they won't be hanging out much longer. Yes. That's that's what it normally happens. And <clears throat> and it's like it's it's not a sad thing. It's just it just happens and and you know, part of nature and, and it's actually good for you. It's very common. The yeah, you you'll you'll start to meet new friends, new people that will have or go in the same path as you. And it's actually very warm and welcoming. It's right, healthy. To, 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 to be that, to, to be in that uh, place. You're looking for people that are of like mind. The Earlier this week, there's a, a person that actually had uh, done the audio. We talked about that class before. Um, he's in Italy. And he was out here seeing a friend. And so I met him for lunch on Monday of this week. And so the three of us were having lunch. And he's a young guy. He's probably about 25. He said, you know, it's really interesting. He said, a lot of my friends or a lot of people I know my age are interested in, you know, going to the disco on the weekends and partying and, you know, just, just raising hell and having fun. And he said, it's very rare for me to find people that think like I do. And he said, I can't even find it in my family, right? I've got, you know, my, my folks think differently than I do. My, my siblings think differently. And we had the discussion. I said, you know, I, I've said to lots of you. I heard this. Some, I heard somebody say this years ago. I thought it was a great way to say it, but it really kind of cuts to the core. It's a little painful. And the comment that they made was, as you pursue, and it doesn't have to be the stock. It could be real estate. It could be anything. But as you start to pursue, specifically in this example, if you start to pursue the, you know, the the managing money aspect via the stock market or via real estate, you're going to find that your friends will change in one of two ways. And either they change the way that they think or they change their name. If that doesn't make sense to you, hit rewind on your podcast player and listen to that again. And basically what it's saying is that your friends are going to change. right? And again, either the way their, their outlook changes or you get a list of new friends. And it doesn't mean you never talk to the other ones. But you'll find that the level of discussion and the level of connection that you have with somebody that shares your interest in this endeavor is incredibly deep, tight, and strong. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot you can you need to do if your friends are interested in something else. If if they don't see what you're doing as, you know, their path, 
then eventually, right, as you're walking that path, you're just, you know, different path, you're just going to be further and further away. There's, you know, there's, there's nothing you have to do. Yeah, and um, it's not. And, and I think the whole the other question says, "Hey, your friends are focused on getting a raise and at work." It's same deal, right? Because they're not thinking correctly if you're sharing with them. You know, there's another thing to say, "Hey, my friend doesn't know because he hasn't been informed yet, and he's doing that." But once you inform them, you share with them, you give them the, you know, show them the path. And if they're not walking that path with you, eventually, right, the 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 level of interest will be so different that you're not going to be hanging out much more. Yeah, you 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 have less in common. And just to uh, add on to what you said, uh, you know, your friends' names of your friends would change, and you know, um, you know, I look at. I think we talked about that, Chris, is looking at people and people around you as, you know, where they fall into three groups. Picture, you know, you're 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 on your sailboat. You know, you're sailing out to your destination. You know, if you have the group of the group of people that are the wind on your sail, right? They're, 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 they're pushing you towards your goal and they're helping you, right? You tend to be around those. They're, they're going to be around you all the time. They're encouraging. They, they're yep. helpful. They'll help you learn. They'll just, it's, it's a very positive thing to be around them. Mm-hmm. They're blowing and wind then, in again, your sail. Not everyone has to do what you're doing or, or see what you're seeing, right? They can still be your friends. And so and still be encouraging. group is, go ahead, Chris. I said, and still be encouraging. They don't have to be teaching you, guiding you along the way, but they're encouraging in whatever form that takes. Yep. So that's the, you know, that's, that's, that's the person blowing wind in your cell. That's the group that's blowing wind in your cell. They tend to be around you. And then you have the, you know, they may be along for the ride, right? They're not doing what you're doing, but they're not discouraging you. They're still, you're still having fun hanging out socially. There's, right, there's, they're not discouraging you. They're not pulling you down. Correct. So that group is along for the ride, and they may still be around. And then it's the last group or the third group, right? We call them the boat boat anchors. So if these people are dragging you down, slowing you from reaching your goals, then you need to their their names will change, right? Yes. So that's what Chris is talking about. Those are the people that you tend to be uh, not so close with. You got to get uh, them off your boat. At, exactly. Because if ones. you're unaware, whatever you're doing today, and you're trying to achieve those goals, you need to evaluate who are the boat anchors around you, and you want to get get away from. Stay them. away. It's not about getting rid of them, but get away from them. Stay away. Because exactly. it's your choice to be around them. And eventually, you want your boat to be as heavily populated as it can be with people that are supporting you and blowing in the sail. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, even those that are along for the ride, at some point, you'll find whether they're going to be the ones that are adding wind to your sail or if they're becoming boat anchors yeah usually you don't stay along for the ride for that long right you you tend to shift either to become more boat anchor or you 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 you, you tend to go in that path yep the source of wind that wind in your sail and it, when you first hear that that sounds very harsh and it sounds like we're like oh my god you guys are cold-blooded mean ruthless it's not that at all it's actually just the opposite because you'll find that when you and we all have them. We all have people that, you know, dear, dear friends that are incredibly encouraging. And those are the people you want to be around. And you want to have more and you want as many of those. Not that you're looking to, you know, build a, a you know, a tribe of thousands. But you want people that are encouraging for you and to you to be around you. 
yeah, as a parent, I think most parents look at who their kids hang out with. But we do that. We look at our kids, but why don't we look at who do we hang out with? Right? As adults, we don't look at who, who we're around. And if you pay attention to successful people, generally happy people, and, you know, just if you hire achievers and, and if you see, they typically are around people like them. And it's not because they, they the people around them started out that way. They started out in different situations, right, different places in life. And then eventually, if, if, if I'm not up to par with the people I'm hanging out with, eventually I'll be there. Yes. Right. I'll either push myself or they'll pull me along. And if they're not up to par, they're going to eventually catch up or I'll pull them along. So then it becomes, you know, that group of like minded people. And you tend to just uh, attract each other. So, Chris, how do you handle the situation? The, the next question they had was, hey, I've got a couple of friends who are interested in real estate and I'm interested in the stock market. Right. We always the way they wrote it was we, we jokingly trying to you know, win one and over, win one another over or bring one over into our respective camps. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Don't. I was going to say, you don't, you don't worry about it. Why compete? Yeah. Not the, competing for attention for who's wrong or right. Do what's right for you. Whatever's right for your friend, right? Or whatever he thinks is right for him, he'll do it. And if you share your perspective, he doesn't see it. That's okay. Not everyone will do Right. What you see, what you do, or what you see is the path for them. And people think differently. So that's why we have this whole how to think discussion on this podcast. Along and those, you can't, you can't influence that thinking. No, not at not all. Not everyone. You, you can inform somebody and let them come to their own decision. And who knows, right? This friend could be uh, a, a, uh, along for the ride and eventually will see it clearly and then become... Uh, the win in yourself. That's exactly uh, it. But as long as the friend is not showing to be a boat anchor, right? They they continue to stay with you. Stay stay your friend. Yeah, there's really no need to try and persuade somebody to come onto your stock market boat or onto your real estate boat. If they're interested, they'll get on the boat. If you got to convince them, you probably don't want them on the boat. And I totally understand why you know people get excited when they understand the stock market and what it offers, and then recognizing uh, how to compare that with real estate or whatever endeavor they're doing. And so they get, there's some excitement here, and they want to share it with others, right? And especially others that they care about. Exactly. Yeah. So it's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. Just understand that th- those are the pushbacks, and these are the situations that you will end up dealing with. Um, and, and I think that's, that's how you want to think about that. If you don't, you're just going to you know, uh, frustrate the heck out of yourself. Right. By always trying to convince people and the other person, too, they're going to get tired of hearing your, you know, Mm -hmm. your your continual drumbeat and you're going to get tired of beating the drum along those lines. Keep this in mind, too. I read this a few weeks ago. I thought, oh, this was just brilliant the way this guy wrote it. And he said the dumbest thing that people can do is to take advice from a beginner. And so going back to that, you know, real estate versus stock example, if the person that you're taking advice from is a beginner in that endeavor. That makes absolutely no sense. The place where I read this, I think it was a CNBC article, as a matter of fact, but the guy was talking about uh, weightlifting. And he used as an example, he said, look, I, I don't play the saxophone. 
you know, I'm kind of interested, but I don't know how to play. And so if you would like to learn to play also, it makes absolutely no sense for us to learn from each other because neither one of us knows what we're doing. It'd be much smarter for both of us to go, you know, whether we do it as a, as a team or whether we do it individually, to go to somebody that is good and can teach playing the saxophone and do that. But to try and learn from each other, it's going to be a mess. On those same lines, if the people you're trying to, you talk about, the person was talking before about the, the friends that are interested in real estate and they're not, and they're interested in another endeavor. If that person is a beginner at real estate, I, do they really have enough experience to be guiding you? And likewise, if you're a beginner in the stock market, you may not have enough experience to be guiding them either. So sometimes it's best just to bite your tongue. You know, let the uh, let the let the air go out, let the words just fly, and don't even react to them. One of the things I heard a few weeks ago, along those lines, about taking advice from a beginner, a person had inquired with me about the stock market workshop, and he was sharing that a friend of his had lost like ninety thousand dollars in the stock market or something like that. And he said, "Yeah." And without saying, I, I kind of read between lines, and I'm, I could hear him thinking, "I'm afraid it's going to happen to me too." And I just kind of looked at him and said, "You know, I don't." It sounds like you don't know much about the stock market, which is fine. And I don't know if your friend knows much about the stock market. And so you're taking input from somebody who may or may not know what they're doing. And you're making a judgment based on their actions. And on the other hand, what if they had made $90,000 in the stock market? Now you got to look in and say, did they do it because they know what they're doing? Or did they get lucky? And so, Chris, you had the best answer back on that about uh, worrying if someone gets fired from their job. You know, I, I don't even remember that don't answer. You? Because the, you, when I told you the story, you laughed and you said, hey, what you should say to them? You say, hey, do you know anyone who got fired from their job? And, you know, this guy's probably 40, 45 years old. I'm sure the answer is yes. And now because you know someone that got fired from their job, does that mean that you're not ever going to go try to get a job? Oh, yeah, there you go. Because you're going to get fired too, just like your friend. Yeah, and and we all we all you know worked before or or are working. We're we're not reluctant to go get a job just because we know you know the people doing the same job, maybe the job you're filling yep. got fired before. Got fired or laid off or something. Mm -hmm. Does that stop you from going to do the work? Absolutely not. And because they got laid off or canned or whatever happened to them, does that mean it's going to happen to you? Yep. Not same a guarantee. Deal as, you know, somebody crossing the street and getting run over, you know, it's going to stop you from crossing the road. Yeah. Yeah. Someone got hit in the crosswalk. Does that mean you'll never use the crosswalk? Somebody was in a car accident on the freeway. Does that mean you're never going to drive on the freeway? Yeah. So, yeah, it gets back to uh, who are you listening to? What experience does that person have? How, what is, are they a subject matter expert in that field? And not only who are you listening to as far as being another person, you have to listen to the voices in your head. There's a lot of voices running around in your head that's saying you can or cannot do something. And you learn over time to recognize those voices. Some of them you give credence to, and some of them you learn to ignore, and you mm -hmm. learn to shut them down. And yeah, that, a lot of them you got to shut them down for most people. Yeah, you got to. You got to. That, that just comes with experience. Unfortunately, there's no book or magic pill you can take that that you learn that. That just comes from life experience. Along those lines, Chris and I have had this discussion a number of times. So I'm sure we'll have it even more times now. Now that he's got a young child. The question you always want to ask, you think about what do we teach kids and what do we tell kids? You, know, you ask them if you're going to be a leader 
or a follower. The common line that I hear with my kid is he's going through elementary school is you want to be a leader, you want to be a leader, you want to be a leader. That's the kind of the the message that always comes across from the teachers or the school to the kids. I'm kind of of the opinion, I'm not sure that I agree. I think maybe it's not a bad thing to be a follower of a good leader, at least initially. Yeah. I think the, the ultimately <clears throat> everyone wants their kid to lead or wants that, you know, to, to become a leader the, the, in school or how we're being taught the whole concept of leadership. We forget that following comes before leading. And, and so that's the part that we're missing. Yeah. In order to lead well, you first have to learn how to follow. You have to be a good follower. And you say, well, is that really true? And we'll think about it. You know, think of a business leader. You know, there's, I can't think of anybody that in their very first endeavor took it up to be wildly successful. Even somebody like a Zuckerberg was working as a, you know, as a McDonald's fry cook or whatever he was doing as a young kid. He worked as an employee and even then has taken guidance from mentors as he's mm -hmm. built up his company. You have to be a good follower. Yeah, nobody, nobody was born with all that uh, operating, all the operating system and all the apps installed. Nope, you have to get that from experience. And so there's certain programming that needs to take place in the brain experience that you need to gain to become that leader. Along those lines, in order to be a good follower, if you will, you have to be coachable. You say, well, coachable, what does that mean? I heard a great description from a friend of ours. And the way you think about coachability, it's the product of one's willingness to learn multiplied by one's willingness to change. I'll explain that a little bit differently. What you want to do is, on a scale of 1 to 10, measure yourself, with 10 being greatest, measure yourself on how willing are you to learn. And then on the same scale of 1 to 10, Measure yourself on how willing are you to change. Multiply those two numbers together, and that gives you your coachability rating factor measurement, if you will. Easy way to think about it. Think about somebody that you know that is hard-headed and stubborn. And if you, would like, if, if you would like to see them change whatever it is about them, are they willing to learn? Well, they may or may not be, but are they willing to change? And if they're hard-headed and stubborn, the answer is on a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably not anywhere close to 10, which says then that they're not coachable in ways to you can't, make and You change. can't succeed if you're not coachable. Correct. And so it's a function of or a, a product of one's willingness to learn, again, measured on a scale of 1 to 10, multiplied by one's willingness to change. And those are, I think, core, you know, uh, either characteristics or philosophies that you should have to to really succeed or, or uh, achieve whatever you're trying to achieve. Because the, the willingness to learn, for me, learning is one of the components, one of the critical uh, model that I live by, right, is, is you always got to learn. And so if you're not willing to learn, how will you grow? how you will you get better. Correct. And then learning learning has to take place for change to take place. And so, you know, you're not going to change if, if, if you don't learn. Um, and also, if you don't change, then you won't adapt 
to the changing environment, the changing of nature that we live in. The world changes all the time. The, you know, as time goes by, things will change. And if you can't cope or deal or handle change, right, you, you, you have to change yourself to adjust. If those things aren't there, then you're going to fail. You, you, will, you will fail. You can't have one without the other. People ask sometimes, like, well, I, I think I'm willing to change, but I'm not sure. I think what you find is if your current state of whatever the whatever aspect of your life we're talking about, it has to be uncomfortable enough that you're willing to change. And so whether it's, you know, if it hurts enough, then you'll make a change. Or if the, if the want, if the desire, the motivation is strong, someone's going to make a change. But it's been my experience, and I've seen it myself, I've seen it in many others, pain or hurt, if you will, is more of a mover, it's more of a motivator than is want. People are more likely to move to get out of the way of pain than they are to move to move towards pleasure. And it's not a good or a bad thing, it's just kind of a human nature statement. And the, uh, I guess the possibility of pain is also what makes people not move. Just like the example you talk about, the guy who said, hey, my buddy lost 90K in the stock market, right? So here's a possibility of pain, he's thinking. So he doesn't act. Yep, so it's the fear of, mm -hmm. the fear of the potential. Yeah, so pain is actually very strong. It works both ways. It can get you to act on something or it makes you, you know, stay inactive. It's also, I mean, I love the, avoid uh, it. the thing, you know, he has the fear of the potential loss. You say, well, what is fear? I, mean, I love the acronym, false evidence appearing real. And so he has heard, and I don't know if he looked at the guy's bank statement or not, but he has heard that his buddy lost tens of thousands of dollars. And I don't know if that's false evidence or not, but it appears real to him. It's not his world. It's somebody else's choice yeah, of real, steps real. in it. Well, the guy could say, hey, it made 90000 It shouldn't motivate him anymore to go. Exactly stuff because it doesn't mean you're going to make 90,000 and it doesn't mean you're going to lose 90,000 so along the lines of how to think and Chris you were saying it earlier you should always look to improve yourself right we, we've talked before about it seems like when the economy gets bad that's when people suddenly say oh you know what maybe I need to go back to school to brush up on my skills or to improve on my skills or to add to my skills and yet when the economy is booming and, you know, their the job loss is not a concern, they're not thinking like, oh, I should improve my skills now for when the economy turns and things get tough again. And so people aren't necessarily motivated, driven, aware, willing, wanting to make a change when things are good. It's like it's not broke, why fix it? Well, yeah, it when is I was broke. They have graduating college. A lot of my buddies were just also graduating, and you know, they uh, a lot of them engineers, and they couldn't get jobs. You know, back in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, I think you know, economy was just trying to recover from the dot com, and they were pretty nervous. And you know, all of them went to get extra degrees. So you got the education when the economy is bad, and now that it's. I don't know if the economy is booming or not. I, you know, I hear the government say one thing, and then I look around, I still see a lot of people that are in some degree of struggle. But even those that are in some degree of struggle, it's, it's curious to watch how they look to make improvements. Some do, some don't. 
some well, should and some don't recognize it. Here's another example. Recently, uh, last night's cash flow, one of the attendees, and you know him, he recently got laid off. And he, he you know, he, he came, again, I guess he commented on or made an observation of how he thinks. And he said, hey, you know, he's he's been groomed to think like, you know, he's got to go back to school or something because he just got laid off. That he's got to go, you know, build some skill sets or go get educated on something, get some certification or something so he can feel better and, you know, uh, or more confident that he can go get a job. Interesting. Yeah. And so the th- yeah. he, he was doing fine in the job before for whatever reason he got laid off. Exactly. Doesn't mean he couldn't go do that for somebody else. Yep. So he's trying to focus on a different area. Like, hey, maybe I'm not cut out for this or, you know, there's a lack of confidence or a, a feeling of, hey, I got to go back to school because, you know, this is not cool. And so th- there's proof to what we just talked about or an example where we talked about how people tend to think that way once they get laid off or some situations happen in life where, right, hey, I need to improve my knowledge or right, they tend to do it around right times of When things don't go their way, yeah. Things when things don't go their way, right? Don't wait till that. Always improve yourself. That's that's how you should think. That's part of the genesis, also in the. We're going to talk in an example here about a couple of people that we both have met, but part of that comes from, you know, as you as you approach retirement, whether you're five years away or fifteen or twenty five years away. You look in the future and say, okay, what's going to happen when I no longer have a paycheck coming in? What will be my source of income? And you'll find more and more people look at that the closer they get to retirement. And yet they knew 20, 25 years ago, that they, assuming they live long enough, that they're going to get to retirement. But they chose 20 or 25 years ago to ignore it. And now that it's looming 5 to 10 years off in the horizon, now they suddenly go, uh-oh. I've got, you know, five, 10 years, whatever it is, where suddenly I may not have a job anymore. I hit the quote unquote retirement age. What am I going to do? And when you hear that, you kind of look and think why you can do something, but why did you wait so long? Did you not know you're going to reach 60, 65, 70 years old? Why just the plan on it now? You know, it's right now we're recording this in the month of May. I can guarantee you Christmas is going to show up in December. It's not going to be a surprise to me on December 24th that the next day is Christmas. I know now it's six, seven months from now. Does that mean I sit and worry about it now? Stress now? No, but I know it's coming. And everyone's going to rush on the 24th to buy gifts. Exactly. Same thing. And if they had their eyes open, you know, over the next few weeks when you happen to go shopping or on Amazon or something like that, and go, oh, there's a gift idea for so-and-so. Buy it now, and you're you're right. You've got it ready for them. I'm so. glad you. I'm glad you uh, found me that jet. Yes, you just haven't told me about it yet. <laughs> it doesn't quite fit in the in the uh, in the garage. Uh, oh, it's okay. Uh, we can park it at the airport. Uh, that's okay. That works too. Or just get yeah. a bigger garage. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't need a two day day delivery either. <laughs> well, with a jet, it just comes quick. Usually it's same day delivery from what I understand. Same day to deliver. So an example on the how to think and an example of coachability. I'm going to describe a couple of people. I'm not going to name them. And I don't know if they're listening to the podcast. If they are, then I'll have to change a little bit so they can't identify that it's them. 
but it's, it's very interesting to see the difference in persona and the difference in thinking. The first guy I'm thinking of is, I'd guess him to be his mid-late 40s. I really don't know how old he is now that I think about it, but works in corporate America. And over the months and years I've had discussions with him, you know, he realized a while ago that his retirement was not going to be highly paid if he continued doing what he was doing. So he knew he had to do something different. He had absolutely zero stock market experience when he met me. He had recently bought a house, uh, rehabbed it, and sold it for profit. So kind of like that idea. He liked the profit that he made. He did not like the amount of work and effort that it took to make it in doing the rehab. And he was thinking about, well, you know, I could flip more homes, but is that something I'll be able to do long term? Can I do that in retirement? And is that something that I want to do in retirement? And his concern was it felt like a job when he was doing it. It was it was the profit at the end of the transaction was nice, but it definitely was a lot of labor in going through that. No, I never did ask if he was doing the rehabbing himself or I'm assuming he was hiring it out, but there's still a lot of personal involvement that goes with that. He ended up getting a course on the stock market and he listened to the audio repeatedly. And when I say repeatedly, I get the impression he listens to it almost all the time when, you know, if he's on an airplane, if he's driving, if he's at the gym, he's doing whatever to the point where the course is about 25 hours in duration. And from what I understand, he's listened to it north of a dozen times and he's had it about a year, year and a half. So almost every month he's gone through listening to 25 plus hours of stuff. The instructions in the course said to paper trade for a year so he could prove to himself that he understood the method and the rules. The cool thing is he followed the instructions. He paper traded for a year. He asked questions as he was going along. And the neat thing is he never complained, right? It's very frustrating. There's a lot of stuff you got to learn to get your head around, but he didn't complain about it. He just put his head down and went to work. My observation, he knows he's a smart guy. But he also is smart enough to know and admit that he knows nothing in this endeavor. It's a whole new arena for him. So he's willing to follow instructions. He also didn't walk in with the expectation he's going to be wildly successful overnight. Even though he's a smart guy, he knows it's a brand new endeavor and it takes a while to learn something. He paper traded for a year. And once that year had passed and he found that the method was working in his paper trading, Then he started with a really small amount of real money. His results for a couple of months weren't that good. In fact, they might even have lost money. And now over the last few months, he's starting to see results and making money. Now, I'm sure it's nowhere near enough to retire. I don't know if it's enough to pay the light bill or car payment. I have no idea. I don't ask. It's not my business. But he's on the path and he walks around with this big old smile all the time when you see him, just kind of this neat little glint in his eye. Because now he realizes... He's got it. He understands the process. And now it's just rinse and repeat. He just got to do the same thing over and over and over again. And then, you know, it's just a matter of time that he gets better and better. Correct. And then those extra zeros will come. You got it. That's exactly it. And what's cool about that. So, I mean, the extra zeros come, but he's doing the same thing. And if he's doing it, you know, buying and selling stock of 10 shares or one share, it doesn't matter. Because once he knows how to do it with 10, now he can do it with 20. And then he can do it with 100 shares and then 200 shares and 300 shares and 1,000 shares. And it's the exact same trade that he's doing again and again and again. And it doesn't matter if he's trading one share or 1,000 shares. Right? He's making the same percentage return on his investment. And now if you go back to the coachability statement, 
he was willing to learn. Very high rating on willing to learn. And definitely willing to change because he knew going in, he knew nothing. He knew he was going to have to change. Change his actions and change the way he thought. And as a result, his coachability was high. And now he's reaping the results at a small and, scale. And at here's this point. a guy that originally came in to look for, you know, more real estate transactions. Yes. Right. Because he's had experience, you said, in his prior yeah, right, real estate project. House. He, you know, like the returns, but didn't like the work. Right. But so he's, he's coming into it with the mindset of, hey, I want some more from real estate. But because he was uh, open minded, willing to learn. That allowed him to see the stock market. Mm-hmm. And then now he's able to make an intelligent comparison and then make that mental shift right, towards the focus in uh, the stock market. If you ask him about real estate today, he's just uh, he's way too much work. Right? I, didn't even, I didn't even think about this, too. He yeah. started off just on the audio. right? He didn't come to class. So he did this just on the audio. So for the people that are concerned uh-huh. about, can you do this on the audio? The answer is yes, at least according to him. Yeah. So well, that, yes, yes, you can you can do it. Everybody has that opportunity. It's now now you got to have that right thinking. Will you do the work? And will you do the work and and apply the, the appropriate thinking, right? As you're doing the work, and so hopefully the podcast here and you know many more episodes to come will help uh, program or give you more ways of you know what we mean by when we say how you think. And all about your mindset and helping you become successful uh, in whatever you're trying to accomplish. What is really fabulous about having helped people over the years and in, in teaching them, you know, how I do this stuff, is you get the opportunity to observe how people act. You get the opportunity to observe how people think. Some of the things you see are almost envious. You go, "Wow, I wish I thought like that person." That's phenomenal. And it's a great role model to, to realize where you can make improvements in your own thoughts and actions. And then you see other people, you think, oh my God, either I used to be that way or my God, thank you God for not letting me be that way because, oh, how do they get anything done? And so it's an incredible opportunity to witness through others what you can improve about yourself and what you're thankful you've already been through those through that minefield and have made those observations, improvements, whatever it may be. But I compare that first person to the next person, also a male. Uh, I'm guessing also probably about late 40s. Also works corporate America. Had some, I don't know if I would call it trading experience, but had participated in the stock market before, had bought some shares over the years. Not a whole lot of stuff. No. I mean, not a lot. But had comparable to the first example. Yeah, no, but had at least bought shares of stock. Sure, um, sure. Bought them without any kind of plan for entry. You know, like oh, I, all right, I've heard enough people talk about ABC stock. Yeah, maybe I should buy some. Or I work for XYZ company. I should probably own some shares. Bought the shares, left the company, never sold the shares. And so when he bought them, there was no plan for entry. And he bought them without having any clue, any any idea on when he would want to sell them. He also asked questions, but it's clear from the questions that are asked that he's not following the instructions that were given. He's, he's kind of going off on his own path, for lack of a better word. And what's interesting is if he's doing the work, and I can't always tell, I can tell, but if he's doing the work, 
what he's doing is he's blazing a new trail through the jungle and he's hitting roadblocks along the way. And because of that, doesn't know if his path's going to get him to the right spot. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier with kids, right? Are you going to be a leader or a follower? And the thought, I'm guessing, deep down, is like, well, I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead my way through this. I'm going to, you know, blaze my own trail. Personally, I think that's foolish. You learn to follow first. Follow the follow a, a carved path. It's a lot easier. And then once you've followed the carved path, if you think you can improve upon it later, walk the path again and look for shortcuts. But you got to get through the path first once on your own. And the hard part is usually the person doesn't even see that. It's it's a subconscious thing that they're doing. Yes. And that's like a they're thing. They're not even recognizing that they're trying to lead. The example that, you know, Chris talked about is, you know, when we're kids, right, in school, we're taught to lead. And it also depends on what field you're in and what you do for a living. If you tend to be leading there or try to be, hey, I'm, you know, blazing my own trail. I'm, you know, being creative, innovative here and there. That could be damaging to your ability to follow instructions. Speaking of instruction, you know, an example of that, one of the things we talk about is you never, never get into a trade without knowing beforehand what your exit point is, either at a profit or at a loss. And yet this person gets into trades not knowing where his exit point is. He also, I talk about, you know, paper trading for a year to be to prove to yourself that the rules work and that you can follow them. He was doing trades well before a year of paper trading was up. And if you ask him why, the answer is, well, you know, it, it's emotions. It's either impatience or it's overconfidence it's impulsive, it's all kinds of emotions, but it's unwilling to follow instructions to prove to himself that it works. It's a desire to make some money or to try, hope to make some money now, and it's pure hope. But so now the question comes up, if he gets in a trade and the trade doesn't work like he wanted, does that mean that there's a flaw in the trading rules or it's a flaw in the mindset, right? And it points to the mindset is the most important piece. Because if your mindset is correct, you'll follow rules. But if it's not, you're going to mess the whole thing up. Yeah, we're not talking about his trading rules. No, this is just anybody's. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Also in doing this, the first guy was willing to, the delayed gratification, would love to be wildly successful early on, but did not expect it. This person wants to be wildly successful right now. Right? Has a desire to be. Just like everybody does. But it doesn't happen that way, right? It takes years for an oak tree to grow. It takes, it takes time to learn to do this. And this could be trading. This could be real estate. This could be starting an entrepreneurial venture. It doesn't matter, right? It takes yeah, time. When, you, when, you want, when you're impatient, you want something to happen right away, it usually takes longer to get it. And it will feel longer as well. It's, it's all, there's a great saying, you know, pennies from heaven are the quickest path to hell. And so you don't want money raining down. You know how to look at lottery winners, right? They go broke after a few years because they don't know how to manage the money. They weren't ready for it. But what's interesting, you point out to this person, you say, well, you know, I did these X number of trades and they worked. You say, okay, that's fine, but they weren't based on any kind of set of rules. And so what happens more importantly is not whether or not you lose money or whether or not you make money. What's happening is by breaking a set of rules that he has yet to prove, he's training his brain, training his psyche, 
that it's not necessary to follow rules. Because when I don't follow rules, I still make money, is the actions that he's putting in his brain. And, and a lot of sometimes the, the market is not logical. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just, and so. the mar- market's based on people, and people are illogical. Mm-hmm. So it's logical that the market's not logical. Yep. Because it's all based on people. We're all crazy, nutty, emotional, irrational people. Yep. So he's thinking, he's thinking, hey, right, subconsciously, if I'm not following the rules, then the rule is not important. And what would make you follow it later if, if you show that you got a reward for not following it? Right? And, and that's not a conscious thing either that happens. It's just your, your subconscious will remember that. Yeah, and, and you don't realize that you're doing it. You don't know. And somehow you're doing it. And, and that's why. It's because you've trained your subconscious to believe that. And fortunately or, un, fortunately or unfortunately, your subconscious is stronger than your conscious. I heard from somebody else in the last couple of days. They were talking about the, the motivation and the discipline aspect. You, both these guys, both these guys, these sample people, and they're based on real people. They both have motivation, right? They're trying to get to the point where money makes money for them from the stock market, so that if they want to leave the workforce early, they can, or if they're forced to leave the workforce early, that's not an issue. So their their motivation is there, but motivation only carries you so far. It's discipline that gets you over the finish line. And looking at these two examples, the first person has discipline. The second person doesn't know how to spell the word. They think they do. But if you watch their actions, they don't. And it's really easy to observe from an outsider. I wish I could be in this person's head to to understand what they think if they realize that they're doing it. I don't think they realize it. I'm not sure. I, I, I tend to agree with you. It's just, it's amazing to me. Then we also heard from another person. This this story really made me stop and, and think. And this this phone call actually came in right after one of our very first podcast episodes. It might have been episode either one or two. And this person's a lawyer on the East Coast. And I guess I call it East Coast. It's more Mideast, if you will. And I won't even name the state. Uh, but successful lawyer, apparently. Been doing it for more than 25 years. Very tells me that he's very, very highly respected in his field. I have no reason to doubt him. And if he's listening now, please don't chase me because I said something inappropriate. He's spending the bulk of his income toward making payments. In other words, he's paying for yesterday's activities. What I mean by that, he's paying for a mortgage. He's making car, he's got car payments. He's got alimony and child support to a prior wife and earlier children. He's making credit card payments. He's paying for kids' college tuition. And because of all those payments for yesterday's activities, yesterday's events, he's also got a very heavy uh, credit card balance, a large debt load that's on credit lo- on credit cards. He had a number of questions about you know what we were going to be talking about and, and how it might be able to help him. But as we as I talked through the situation with him, my question for him was like, why is there so much debt? You know, what is the driver? And it dawned on me just listen, very quickly listening to him. It's like, wow, this guy does not know the concept of delayed gratification. Right? We talked earlier about the Don't Eat the Marshmallow, the book. I know it was in one of the earlier podcast episodes. But the idea, and then Chris uses the example of if I gave you a dollar today. Chris, how do you say it? How many? Yeah, if, if I double it, 20 times, double it 20 times, how much would you have? How much would you have right, right. At, on the 20th double? <laughs> And the answer is you'd have north of a million dollars. Or north of a million. 
And so, but the most important double is the last one. I mean, you could argue the first one because it gets you started in the habit, but the last one is the most important one because that gives you the biggest raw dollar change from old balance to new balance. And so the concept on that is delay the gratification as long as you possibly can and let the money keep working because then you get a bigger pot of money and now you can use that to spend it on the things that capture your fancy, right? But this person doesn't believe in delayed gratification based on their actions. They got to keep up with the, you know, their, the, the Joneses or the lawyer Joneses. You know, other lawyers drive a nice car, so I should too. Other lawyers take a nice vacation, so I should also. Other lawyers belong to the country club, so should I. My neighbors send their kids to big name schools, expensive private schools, so I should too. You know, but it's interesting. Whatever, you know, hey, my, my, my lawyer buddy gives his kids this car or, you know, lets them take this vacation, that vacation, or travel here and there, right? I got to provide those things for my kids too. Yep, it's keeping up with the Joneses. But, you know, but it's interesting too when you think about going to the big name schools, not saying there's anything wrong, right or wrong with it. If a kid is motivated and driven, they can achieve stuff even if they go to a, a less expensive state school. It's what you do with the education afterwards. You know, some, you know, the Harvard degree is going to open some doors, no argument. But there's thousands and thousands of other colleges. You mean to tell me that somebody can't be successful if they didn't go to, you know, one of the top two, three, four, five colleges in the country? I, I disagree. Totally disagree. You got two people on, the, on this podcast that didn't go to Harvard. And we're doing fine, but we got a motivation and drive. Hey, hey, don't, 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 don't take Long Beach State out of there. Long Beach State is much more <laughs> prestigious than uh, USC. Yes, it is. I'll go. It's what little little trivia for. There's one school in the country that has the word beach in its name. Yeah. <laughs> and so, speaking of beach, then, but he was sharing. He loves. He he cried. The, what made him call was he loved the idea of Tuesday waves, the concept and the words and the idea of being able to have time. And it goes back to having time, not the wealth but having time to enjoy life, right? And he was, he was inquiring. It's like, wow, is that really possible? Can I, do, you know, can I have money work for me such that it could dig me out of this hole and provide time so that I can enjoy life? And we stressed how much important time is, and we, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have. We all have the same amount of time, right? I think I shared with you before how I see is, you know, you, you cannot buy that time back that you spent or you, you know, sold it to someone. Correct. You can't get it back. And that time is going to be much more valuable as we age because there's less of it. So the sooner you realize that, the faster you'll take action to get, give, give yourself more of your time. And that's the whole idea behind time freedom. Of course, I didn't tell you, I had a, I had a birthday recently and I got a note from a person in, on their phone, that, on the phone they just sent a text. And in there, he was joking, and he said, do you realize you're the youngest you're ever going to be right now? Right now. <laughs> thought about that for him, like, I don't know if I like that or not. That's, it's an, I never thought of it that way. And hopefully the dumbest. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> which is really scary. Because <clears throat> that says how dumb I was earlier, too, you know, years <laughs> and years ago. But so time, going back to that, time is the most important resource. And what's interesting is a lot of times people will measure their wealth. They may measure it by the trinkets that they've got, 
you know, the status symbols of the whatever else, or they measure it by their income. You know, I make X dollars per year. I've got X dollars in the bank. I personally think that's wrong and not morally wrong. It's incorrect. What you got to do is you measure your wealth by your time. You know, for example, if, if you no longer had the paycheck coming in as of tomorrow, how long could you survive? That says how wealthy you are, right? So wealth is measured in time, not in dollars. And that's what this lawyer has started to realize now, right? He's working now to make the payments. And he wants to figure out how do I get the money working so that I'm out from under the payments and thus it frees up my time to do what it is that I want to do. I'm sure he'll be a lawyer for the rest of his life and enjoys it, but will he? But wants to do it because he wants to as opposed to feeling that he needs to. That's a cool realization. At mm-hmm. least I think he's, he's starting to uh, make that recognition. And hopefully the, the, the work he's putting in is, is helping him build that discipline, right? To make that change and, and um, get out of debt and uh, delay, you know, some uh, desire, right? To, to own more things or, or put more zeros in his credit card balance. Correct. Or on, on any balance, right? You look at it and say, you know, does, if you can pay off the car, you know, can you downgrade the car? Mm-hmm. Right? Do you need to drive the, I don't know what he drives, but whatever lawyer, yeah. you know, a Mercedes, whatever the whatever the lawyer car is, right? Can you downgrade it? Or, you know, drive one that's a few years older? No problem with that, right? Can you, you know, credit card payments probably can't do much with that. Kids college tuition. I don't know if the kids are in school or not, uh, or if, if he's saving up for them to be in or if they're currently in. But, you know, do they have to go to Harvard? Right. Yeah, that other, the whole other topic on school, and I think if you were, uh, if you can raise your kid and plan uh, early and appropriately, you you shouldn't be able to have to pay for their school, their education. You know, I think when they when they get to the college age, they should have the ability to pay on their own. Man, right? we're going to get or a ton of arguments. Or, you know, have them become responsible for it. Yes. I can already see the number of emails that are hit in the box when that gets recorded. What? <laughs> There's no way. Oh, yeah. There is there a way. Is. There, there absolutely is a way. Is a way. I've seen it. I mean, uh, all of my buddies, if I ask, you know, I, I, I might get one or two that said, oh, my parents paid for it. But the rest, you know, have to do it. You figure out. You, mm-hmm. you got to go get some financial aid. You got to get some loans. You got to get some scholarships. Um, right? Fortunately, I mean, uh the government or being in the U.S. here, right, you can get loans, you can get things like that. I mean, how do other people in other countries where, you know, they're not providing the loans? Correct. Just, you're screwed. But yeah. here you have a lot of opportunities. But also if you know early and if you understand the, the, the compound interest that we talked about earlier on by 20 times, yes, right, you start your kids up early. And by the time they reach 18, if they've been working, saving, learning something, how to put, tuck it away and you, you know, store it for them and grow it, they're going to have enough to, to, to kick off college. So it, it can be done if you, you know, the people who say it can't be done is because you haven't explored it. You haven't run numbers and you're not, you haven't talked to people who, right, they didn't pay for their kids. Or you haven't figured out how to get your money working for you. And, you know, uh, reflecting on my uh times in college and re- and remembering you know the kids who had uh you know not not friends right but you know just kids i knew in, in school that had their parents you know pay them through their way through college these guys weren't trying 
they didn't care. It yep. wasn't their money. It's not their money. Yeah. And and they would jump from, you know, to this subject to that subject to, you know, let me major in this, let me major in that, right? and just didn't care much about school. The ones who, you know, paid their way, they did. They definitely did. There's a great book to read. In fact, this may be something that we can kind of close the podcast on. It's a book called The Slight Edge, uh, Slight, S-L-I-G-H-T, Edge. It's written by, I believe it's Jeff Olson, O-L-S-E-N. And I think I put it on the book list on the uh, Investing from the Beach website. If I didn't... I think you have it on there, yes. I can't remember if I did or not. You know, a great summary of all those books, by the way. Oh, well, for the ones that are up there, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great list. It's a It's a good starting point for stuff. And I think... You know, we both have read a bunch of, I don't know if I like to call these self-help books or personal development books or, you know, how to think books. But once you've read a bunch of them, I think, and then when you read this one, my first reaction was, wow, this should have been the very first book that I read because it kind of sets the tone. In fact, I may not have needed to read the others. It, It seemed that poignant or good, if you will. But I don't know if I would have had that same opinion if I had read that one first, not having anything else to compare it to. But after having read, you know, dozens and hundreds of other books, when I read this one, look and go, yep, this is probably the first and the best. But the message behind it, or the the message I want to leave you with is, whatever self-help book you're going to read, none of them are going to work if you don't do the work, right? You have to put in the effort. And then with that, your success is completely determined by your mindset, right? And that, that goes back, it's the 595, you know, 5% is how to do 95% is how to think. And your success is going to be determined by how you think. Yeah. If you want to be part of that 5% group, you need to apply the 95% how to think Mm -hmm. component. Mm -hmm. Anything else we want to add? No, great book. I highly recommend uh, if someone hasn't read it, uh, read it. And don't just read it once. Read it many, many times and do it throughout your lifetime. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of those books that are on that book list, I've, um, it's not, they're not a one-time read. You know, you read it once, maybe you might even read it twice or very, you know, read it once, put it down, go back and read it again, and then go back and read it again 18 months later. And you will pick up different stuff that was in the book before that now, because you've changed and you've, you've grown and you've seen, you now see things a little differently. You'll read the book differently and you'll be stunned and go, wow, this chapter wasn't there before. And it was there. You just didn't understand it at that level. And that's a very important point, Chris, because prior to understanding that, I think most people are probably like me. You pick up a book and you read it and you think, all right, I'm done. Right off your checklist and mm-hmm. next book. Next, yeah. You never think about hey, let's read it again next year or next month or right whenever that time comes. But you know you're not going to get everything when you read it once. Also, you will change, like Chris said, at some point in your right uh, life or as as you get older, right through your experience that those new apps, new operating system will get installed in in your head and then that'll allow you to see the book differently the next time you read it so you you will gain a lot more as you read it over and over right actually even more so than the first time so if you only read it once you probably is not you're not getting the the most value 
that you can out of reading that book. Oh, and that, that applies to many of those books that are on the book list. And the interesting thing is those books on that list, the vast majority are how to think. And it goes back to, you know, as you modify your thinking and, you know, back to that willingness to change and willingness to learn. As you change and as you learn, now you go back and read the same material again, it sinks in differently. And that's what's cool about this. And so that says that this ends up being a lifetime path. Right, and you—it's—it's it's an incredible journey along this. It sounds kind of woo-woo when I say that. I don't mean it that way, but you learn a ton about yourself. You learn a ton about others, but it's all because of the the transforming the growth that you go through and see in others. And then when you read that same message again, it resonates differently, and it it gets in a little bit deeper, and that is what allows to get you to freedom, which is really why we do this podcast to see how many people we can help get to freedom having you know we're both there it's it's an awesome spot to be and it's incredibly rewarding and fulfilling to open other people's eyes to it and to watch them kind of get it if you will you can see just the the light bulb clicks in their in their eyes and you can see they get a little twinkle and they come back from more than one here again again it's an incredible spot to be yeah it's very neat to see that and uh, it's it's a big joy also i think you know for myself to you know, see others, uh, because you, you can kind of, you, you have something that you can both share, right? You, you go, you, you've gone through that experience, same experience. Mm-hmm. And you're a little bit further down the path and just say, Hey, here's mm-hmm. in my experience is what you're going to run into. Yeah. Right. And you're going to, you know, it's going to, your mileage may vary a little bit, but people seem to run into the same obstacles, roadblocks, what have you, which to me is really encouraging. Cause that says that we really are just a human animal, right? We all kind of operate the same way. And to realize that if one person got it, then hell, I can get it too. And they can tell me what to look out for. And that's what I think is really neat about this. So with that, if you'd like to contact us, there's a couple ways to do it. I haven't mentioned this on earlier podcasts. One way to reach us, you, there is a website. It's called investingfromthebeach.com. And there's more information about us. There's a book list out there. And there's some other items out there that you may find of interest. Investingfromthebeach.com is one way. You can reach us off the contact page there. Or you can send us an email, investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. Again, it's investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to leave us a message. We've had a few few interesting topics that have been brought up on the voicemail. I haven't addressed them yet. We'll address those in an upcoming episode or two. That number, an easy way to remember it, no matter where you are in the world, you can jump on a 747 airplane and within 24 hours be at just about any beach in the world. And that is our number, 747-24-BEACH. That's 747, uh, let me think, 242-3224, I believe is the way the number works. So email, website, phone number. And the last thing I want you to think of, I'm going to play a sound clip here for just a second, and I want you to see if you can identify what that sound is. And now you've heard that, and you're going to hear, you're going to say, "Oh man, that's just that's just waves crashing on a beach." Well, the reality is, it is waves crashing on a beach, but that is not just any wave. That was recorded, I actually went down to the beach on a Tuesday near my home in Huntington Beach, California, and I recorded some waves hitting the, hitting the, uh, the sand. 
And that was actually recorded on a Tuesday. And if you go back and hit rewind on your player, you're going to notice that that Tuesday wave sounds a lot different than any wave that you would hear on Saturday and Sunday that most of the other people get to hear. Our objective off doing this podcast, if you'll, if you'll master the how to think, is that will get you ultimately to the point where all you hear are Tuesday waves. And let me assure you, Tuesday waves sound so much better than the weekend waves that everybody else gets to listen to. Thank you very much for listening. We love doing this and we appreciate all the feedback that we've got. And we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Mm-hmm.